Hey folks, Patrick Pacheco here. We received a great response from you on our Sonic Branding episode. So we wanted to ride the wave and follow up with some additional content on small business marketing. This week's episode originally aired in season two, and it's a masterclass in the fundamentals of brand building, the process, questions, and culture you need to create a business identity that customers find unforgettable. We hope you enjoy it. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of In Good Companies. I have a joke for you guys. So how many marketing directors does it take to change a light bulb? Does it have to be a light bulb? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds right. (laughs) It's not easy. There's a lot of emotion when it comes to branding. Again, yes, as you said, you know, many times there's a heritage, there's a history there. There are personal stories aligned with what the brand is currently, and it's hard for people to kind of get past them. I'm Patrick Pacheco, and you're listening to Season 2 of In Good Companies from Cadence Bank, the podcast where we guide you through the forces shaping your business inside and out. If I say brands, some examples probably spring to mind. Nike, Apple, Disney, Coca-Cola. We interact with brands every day, so you might think you've got the concept all figured out. But the experts know it's not that simple. There are a myriad of factors that make up a brand, all of them carefully considered. This font, that specific color green. But what's the glue that holds all these disparate ideas together? What makes some brands resonate with the consumers and others fall flat? And how can you improve the branding at your own company? I can't think of anybody better to answer those questions than these two. Can you introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Andrew Bogutsky, and I'm the Senior Partner Creative Director at Tenant Partners. Hi, I am Beth Plum. I am a Senior Partner of Research and Strategy at Tenant Partners. Beth, can you tell us a little bit about Tenant? What is it that your company does? At heart, we are a brand innovation firm. We help our clients build brands that really set them up for the future. And we do that by using really traditional brand approaches, but also kind of embracing new technologies and new tools like data science or innovation or systems thinking. So we try and evolve our approaches in order to build stronger brands for our clients. Andrew and Beth aren't the only experts who answered the call for this episode. With such a complex and nuanced topic, we need our very own in-house marketing guru. I'm Jackie Hooper. I'm Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for Cadence Bank. Yeah, so I'm responsible for all of the marketing initiatives and functions for the company. I work closely with a very talented team of individuals, marketing professionals, and then vendors to help bring any ideas and programs and initiatives we have to life. Did you start off in marketing? Have you been in your marketing your entire career? I have. I've been in financial services marketing for 20 years now, over 20 years. But I would say that my interest in marketing started much more before that time. I can even think back to when I was in the teen years and some of the television ads and things that I would see on TV early on, those really started to stick and to resonate with me. And then I find that over time, I'm asking the questions of, well, how do those get made? How is that produced? How do you get them on TV? I can still recall my favorite commercials from when I was young of Tyson Chicken, Velveeta, cheese as well, and then Tootsie Pops. So even those old school commercials still come to mind after all these years. But that's what started it. So you mean the old one, two, and then he bites the Tootsie Pop? That was a great one. 
Even before that one, it's the Tootsie Roll commercial. Oh, the world looks mighty good to me because Tootsie Rolls are all I see. Yeah, I remember that. I was talking to me about the Mean Joe Green commercial where the <laughs> kid would, he just, the kid, Mean Joe didn't want to talk to the kid, then finally he was in the Coke. I think that was really kind of a turning point where Coke really became prominent again in some of those commercials. Yeah. The fact that Jackie and I can remember ads from our youth is a testament to the power of branding. But brand is more than just a few television commercials. A brand is the essence of a company. It's what the company is, what the company delivers, and it's the value of the company. It's also the experience that a person has whenever they interact with that company, whether it's digitally, it's in person. There could be a variety of ways that they interact, but each touch point that a person has with a company is an experience of the brand. So I think when you're defining a brand or what brand is, it's almost easier to start with what it isn't. And what it isn't is a logo or a name or a tagline. A logo is one of many components and elements that make up a brand. Brand includes colors, textures, messaging. So it's so much more than just the element. And the logo and the name and the tagline may be the external facing components that some people see of the brand, but it's not the full story. Another common misconception that I hear a lot is a brand is only about how something looks. And it's really not. The experience of a brand nowadays is all of the senses working together and the entire experience that a person has with an organization. You hear about all kinds of ways that that organizations are trying to enhance experiences, right? Because that's really what it's all about is creating, you know, distinctive, memorable experiences for their customers, regardless of what the company, you know, actually does for a living. I've even heard of of specific, you know, kind of scents or something being developed. So when someone's in an environment, it smells a certain way and it either, you know, makes them relax and, you know, puts them in a good frame of mind and all kinds of science that goes into that. So I think there's a lot of things that organizations are doing to, again, enhance experiences. So A of all, it makes those experiences kind of stickier in, in, the, in the customer's mind and kind of subconsciously drives them to continue to do business with them. Altogether, a good brand is more than the sum of its parts. I think when it's done well, a brand is a story. It's all about making emotional connections. And storytelling is just an innately human thing. It innately has that emotion to it. So we think about how we want to tell the story. And there are all these different components. You know, if we just go back to the logo, the name, the tagline, the colors, you know, the positioning, they all come together. And not all of them have to tell the complete story. But when we bring them all together, we want them to tell the story. So individually, they may only talk about different pieces and they don't have to do the heavy lifting. But when you bring it all together, what's the cohesive story you're getting about the company? And, you know, really at its simplest, we always say it's a promise made and it's a promise kept. So what will you deliver to every stakeholder every time they have an interaction with you? Branding or rebranding, as is often the case, can have a huge effect on your business. But it's an intensive process and not one you should undertake lightly. When is rebranding the right choice? I mean, there's companies that have had a, a brand or a logo forever. I mean, when is it time to, to make a change or think about making a change? That's a great question. And we've run into organizations that have sometimes made, made the wrong choice. Normally, when you're, when you're dealing with a, a brand change, it's a significant 
undertaking. And it should be driven by something that, that's fairly significant in the life cycle of an organization. Some obvious ones are things like mergers and acquisition, or it could be a spinoff. You're, you're taking a chunk of the business and you're, and you're separating it and you're standing that up as a new brand to the market. So those are, those are some obvious ones, but there are other ones where it's not so dramatic, but over time, the industry has changed, the nature of the business has changed, and what you stood for and what you offered perhaps as an organization has evolved with the times, but your brand hasn't. And so you're still known for things that you were doing or delivering in the past where you've really evolved and changed. But at the end of the day, I think the most important thing we want people to understand is that it's a very big undertaking. It shouldn't be done for frivolous reasons like, oh, I just don't like this logo anymore, so let's change it. Or I'm a new CEO and I want to put my stamp on the company, even though you know that there's really nothing wrong with the existing brand. So you just have to make sure that you're doing it for, for some of those right reasons. If you have reached a point where it makes sense to rebrand, then Beth and Andrew recommend conducting the process in a certain order, one they've developed over years of practice. I'll go first only because the process starts usually with the things that I work on. Our role is to understand what the business wants to become. So who are you today and where are you going into the future? And then how can we build a brand that helps make the business successful? And so our goal is to really be able to draw a straight line from your business objectives through our research into the full brand execution. So you can see that consistent story and you can see how it's helping you meet each of those objectives. We tend to be very data-driven so we start with research for everything from, you know, social listening to qualitative and quantitative research. That informs everything that comes after. So I was involved in the strategy development, so the, the vision, mission, and values, as well as the positioning, all the way through to the verbal kind of branding. So tagline development, training, any kind of messaging. So really taking it through from research to verbal conception. The reason tenant starts with research is because they understand a fundamental truth about brand. It doesn't operate alone. Culture is the foundation of the brand. The two of those work together really well, but I would say you have to have a good solid culture and a defined culture in order for a brand to be built. Culture is key. Without it, your brand is just an idea. But what is culture anyway? Culture is the shared commonality of values, beliefs, behaviors, practices of the organization. You know, it's usually represented by a vision, a mission, values, or all three of those things. And so everything that we build, we build on top of that. And we make sure that, you know, it really aligns to that culture and represents the organization in a way that is is authentic. So I, I assume that you kind of help the, the company you know, evaluate what their culture is. What do you look for when you're listening to a company talk about their culture? You know, how, how do you get them to, to kind of work through that process? So our job is to try and capture what's there. And so the way we start to figure out what's there and what the culture is, is by talking to people. We start with research. We start with interviews. We interview ideally the executive team, but we also want a representation across the organization. We want to talk to people in different roles and different functions and different geographies and different tenures to really understand how the organization ticks. So when you think of culture, it's really very connected to the personality of an organization and how decisions get made, how leadership operates, how people interact with each other. So that's the type of things we're listening for when we're doing these interviews. 
The next step in the process is where Andrew takes over, and his role is critical. Well, if you ask some of my colleagues, they'd probably say I just make things pretty. Um, but I do believe there's a lot more to it than that. And there's nothing wrong with making things pretty. <laughs> he does it really well. In all seriousness, I take the great work that Beth and her team do from the strategic side, from the verbal side of things, and really translate into visual identity. So that means a new logo. It means a whole new visual system that supports the logo. It means applying that new brand across you know, a whole range of applications, across different platforms, uh, and then also creating tools and guidelines to help the organization manage that brand going forward. So, Andrew, then you have the hard part of taking that culture and making it look like a brand. I mean, what goes into that? How do you, how do, you do that? It's about understanding, again, as Beth said, really what drives the organization, what does it value, what are those things that it finds most important. You know, you just try to find uh, different attributes and visually translate those into what that external expression is so that after a customer meets with an employee and has an interaction there and they see communications, those two things feel very much the same. That's it's kind of fascinating process. It's a very defined science. It's the research, it's the data. And then all of a sudden say, okay, we're going to take all this, this very defined box and we're going to do something completely out of the box that's creative, that ties the two together. Just, it seems like it'd be a pretty daunting task, but you, clearly you guys do it well. You know, once we get through the research, it's almost like a light shines on the direction we want to take it in. And sometimes there are multiple directions, you know, very often and almost always when we are looking at sort of the broad territories that a brand can live in, we present multiple ideas to a client and they all feel validated through the research. We think that they can support all of them, but it's kind of a mix of an art and a science. So we have the data that tells us we can go in that direction. And then it's a little bit of a gut feeling about what feels right for the organization and we'll weigh in with our opinions, but ultimately it's for the client to decide what feels most like them. Branding makes use of emotions and aesthetics, but ultimately it's a function of your business. Is it hard for you as the chief marketing officer to have that business side and that creative side and balancing the two that something really sounds great from a creative side, but then you go to the business side and say, what are you thinking? I mean, Yes, yes. And I've had that throughout my entire career where you have to work hard to separate personal opinions and thoughts and with that of what will drive opportunities for the company and what's in the best interest of the company. Because naturally, you gravitate towards certain creative elements or certain items. You have to be able to take a step back and think logically, what is the right thing to do? It's not easy. It's, there's a lot of emotion when it comes to branding. Again, yes, as you said, you know, many times there, there's a heritage, there's a history there. There are personal stories aligned with what the brand is currently, and it's hard for people to kind of get past them. We do our best to, to get people to step out of that and, and look at things objectively. You know, so, so we'll say, well, actually, take a look at what, what else is happening in your market. Look at who you say your competitors are. Look at how they're talking about themselves, how they're setting themselves up with their customers and look at how you're doing it. And once, once you start to do a little compare and contrast and really start to understand where the market has gone, where you might sit in the market from a brand standpoint, they can quickly get on board and say, oh, I see what you're saying, I understand. But then at the same time, it's on us to maybe hang on to certain things as well that can be carried forward. So you're not losing everything, but just evolving and shifting and changing and adapting to where the market's going. 
And as someone who's deeply involved in research, I would say data is our friend. Andrew mentioned making it a more objective process. However, we can use data to make this more objective, to show what your customers are thinking, to better understand their perspective. And perhaps, you know, a logo that's been around for 50 years just isn't resonating as it used to be. But really being able to use that objective data we find to be helpful. A practical approach can also save you from headaches down the line. It is important to make sure that you're double checking things on the legal side. I mean, the last thing you want to do is go through all the work and all the effort, <laughs> launch into the market and then find yourself with a lawsuit. But that, that is definitely an important part of the process. You don't want to skip that part because, again, you, you don't want to undermine all the work that you've done. You don't want to have the cadence swoosh get rolled out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you want to avoid that. As the brand takes shape, it can also influence your culture. And then the next step is, what do we want to retain? What's really going to support the company moving forward and help it meet its business goals? And then what maybe do we want to start to shed or downplay and perhaps take out of the culture or at least de-emphasize in the culture? The final step of the process is to ensure that the brand permeates every aspect of the business, especially the touch points that dictate customer experience. Well, one of the things that we always certainly implore companies to do when we're engaged with them, and most of them do, is to do a level of employee training. So it's really about taking employees through the new brand, helping them really understand the foundation of it, where it came from, and how it relates to them. As, as one of our colleagues used to say, it's not about having them do a different job. It's about them doing their job maybe a little bit differently. So taking the things that we're not asking you to become somebody else, that's not the point, but to put a different filter on certain things, right? So now there's a brand filter. We've defined it to a certain extent in terms of just how we behave, how we sound, how we you know, tackle challenges, how do we solve problems, you know, put them through some exercises, help them to understand that they're still doing their job the way they used to, but at the same time, there might be some nuances and differences in terms of how they do that, how they communicate, how they interact, that are driven by some of these brand attributes that we've defined. This is why it's necessary to think about brand and culture together. To a customer, an interaction with your sales rep and the logo on your door are both part of the same experience. If they don't fit together, it will feel disjointed, or worse yet, dishonest. When the brand is writing checks that culture can't cash, your customers won't trust you. You may think that branding is too challenging for a small organization. Not every business can be Coke or Apple, but don't let that deter you. Done well, brand can make a huge difference for any company. I think the last thing that I hear a lot is branding is only for big companies. You know, we mentioned Coke earlier as an example of a, a, a company that broke through in some of the advertising. And then we mentioned Apple. But brand is really available for all size companies. And it just depends on how you go about establishing and making a name for yourself as a company. What advice would you give business owners, both big and small, about this development of brand and culture? I would say there's limited difference in the process. We would always say start with research, go into strategy, think about verbal, and then go into visual. For a smaller company, for a small business, you might do less research. You might not need to go out and do a quantitative study of several thousand people. Maybe we can do 10 or 12 interviews, and that gives us the information that you need. For Jackie, the keys are consistency and follow-through. What do you have to do to connect the brand with the culture? There's a few things I would say. Take your time. Focus on quality. You don't have to always move 
extremely fast to get something done, make sure you do it right and you feel really good about what you're doing. I would conduct some research, have some facts because a brand can be, as I've learned, an emotional process and there could be strong ties and emotions to an existing brand. And so having some research really helps identify what needs to be done. Work with an expert to make sure that you get what you need and what you're looking for. And then lastly, I think the key to making sure that you've got a good, strong connection is managing it over time. You can't just think of brand development and or cultural element development, for example, as a one and done. It's something that has to continue to grow, evolve, and you have to continually work at it. You've got to have consistency over time and make sure that you can continue to come back to your core of who you are, what you do, and what you deliver to make sure that you have a good, solid brand and cultural foundation. Brand is a powerful tool, but it's built on the back of culture. So work to understand your company before you establish a new identity. Start with research and use those insights to craft your brand. Who you become depends on who you are right now. That data can also help you make tough decisions. Just don't forget that a brand is there to achieve your business goals. But hold on. We're not done with brand and culture quite yet. Things are always different in practice than they are in theory. Every process has a million unique challenges, constraints, and decisions that change everything. We want you to see what this looks like in action. So we're giving you a case study of a big company rebrand, ours. That's next week on In Good Companies. Thank you, Andrew Boginski and Beth Flom of Tenant Partners, and our very own Chief Marketing Officer, Jackie Hooper. You'll hear from all three of them in our next episode. So stay tuned. In Good Companies is a podcast from Cadence Bank, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. Sheena Cochran is our production coordinator. Our executive producer is Danielle Cornell, with writing and production from Andrew Ganim and sound design and mixing by Ben Cranell at Lower Street Media. I'm your host, Patrick Pacheco. If you made it this far, why don't you go rate and review us in your podcast app? It's the best way to grow the show so we can reach even more listeners. And while you're there, subscribe. We'd love to have you because when you're with us, we're in good companies. This podcast is provided as a free service to you and is for general informational purposes only. Cadence Bank and its affiliates make no representation or warranties as to the accuracy, completeness, or timeliness of the content in the podcast. The podcast is not intended to provide legal, accounting, or tax advice and should not be relied upon for such purposes. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guests in this podcast are solely their own current opinions regarding the subject matters discussed in the podcast and are based on their own perspectives. Such views, perspectives, and opinions do not reflect those of Cadence Bank or any of its affiliates or the companies in which any guest is or may be affiliated. The production and presentation of this podcast by Cadence Bank does not imply the expression of any opinion 